start. Start. of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. My name is Andy Brown. With me, as always, Andy Sanford. Andy Sanford. That's right. How was your week, Andy? Uh, it was good. I'm mostly just recording music all week. Yeah. Uh, still for that challenge? Yeah, yeah. I finished the solo album that no one will hear until June because I don't want to spoil the new Telestron album. And then Saturday, I started a new project with um, one guy I've done a lot of stuff with and one guy I jammed once with 25 years ago. Oh, right. So we um, wrote and demoed 10 songs on Saturday, and then we'll spend the next two Saturdays recording them. Damn, that's quick work. You don't mess around. (laughs) And uh... They're very simple songs. Um, you also had some news this week, uh, regarding one of your old bands. Why don't you go ahead and share that? Oh, putting the, uh, Pikmin's model stuff on Bandcamp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, I guess my second real band, first band that recorded like in a kind of a studio. It was, it was more like a barn with cables running to the dude's living room to a, 16-track, 8-track, eight mach- 8-track, eight machine, sorry. It's like 94. And um, so, yeah, I finally uploaded all that stuff to Bandcamp, and I also got uh, transfers of the original multi-tracks from the old ADATs, so me and the drummer are going to work on, like, new remixes of all the stuff, too. Hell, yeah. And, uh, of course, as per usual, I'll go ahead and put the links to that. Uh, in the description and then also on the link section of our SoundCloud profile. Sweet. Um, so, once again, we have a programming change. Um, last week, we discussed doing uh, Pink Floyd versus the Flaming Lips. You just basically never listen to what we're going to say one week until <laughs> we figure it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> Scott wasn't able to be here. Uh, this week, but he should be available next week, and we should also have another guest who has not joined us as yet. Um, so instead, this week we decided to do Nirvana and Pixies. Um, so we'll be getting to that in just a few minutes. Um, I wanted to start off this week, though, with probably a lot of people have seen it, but if you haven't, you should definitely check out the uh, Quincy Jones interview uh it was on gq 
because uh, it was absolutely hilarious. Um, uh, well, I, I'll just read you an excerpt from it. Uh, so the question is, so why do you think that musicians today aren't as good as those in your era? Man, it's because kids these days have that long hair and won't pull their pants up. Did you know that Frank Valley once killed a male prostitute with nothing more than a ballpoint pen? We shouldn't talk about that openly, though. So where did you grow up? Akron. The Illuminati is a real thing. Alex Jones is a prophet. Okay, so how was working with Michael Jackson? Man, you know he's a thief and a race traitor. So, of course, I made made that one up. Uh, oh, no, he, he, he said Michael Jackson was a thief. He did. He very openly said Michael yeah. Jackson was a thief. He's like... Yeah, Michael stole all his good ideas. Yep. <laughs> you should thank me for everything. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, but I did want to read just a few uh, actual quotes because they really are fantastic. Uh, you just mentioned the Clintons, who are friends of yours. Uh, why is there still such visceral dislike of them? What are other people not singing Hillary, for example, that you see? It's because there's a side of her. When you keep secrets, they backfire. Like what secrets? This is something else I shouldn't be talking about. You sure seem to know a lot. I know too much, man. What's something you wish you didn't know? Who killed Kennedy? Who did it? Uh, Chicago mobster Sam Giancana. Joe Kennedy, he was a bad man. He came to Frank to have him talk to Giancana about getting votes. I've heard this theory before that the mob helped Illinois, or helped win Illinois for Kennedy in 1960. We shouldn't talk about this publicly. Uh, the next one is, uh, what were your first impressions of the Beatles? Don't print that. <laughs> that they were the worst musicians in the world. They were no playing motherfuckers. Paul was the worst bass player I ever heard. And Ringo, don't even talk about it. I remember once we were in the studio with George Martin, uh, and Ringo had taken three hours for a four-bar thing he was trying to fix on a song. He couldn't get it. We said, mate, why don't you get some lager and lime, some shepherd's pie, and take a half an hour and relax a little bit. So we did, and we called Ronnie Ver Verrill, a jazz drummer. Ronnie came in for 15 minutes and tore it up. Ringo comes back and says, George, can you play it back for me one more time? So George did, and Ringo says, that didn't sound so bad. Uh, and I said, yeah, motherfucker, because it ain't you. Great guy, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot take right there. <laughs> yeah. The Beatles were the worst musicians in the world. Um, then the last one I wanted to read was, uh, when I go to Dublin... Bono makes me stay at his castle because Ireland is so racist. Bono's my brother, man. He named his son after me. Is you two still making good music? Shakes head. <laughs> I think my favorite part was when when he's like, you know, Martin Brando was fucking everybody. He just don't even give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Say, do you like Brazilian music? <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, the Richard Pryor estate uh, confirmed that Richard Pryor yeah, yeah. did, in fact, have sex with Marlon Brando. So. Richard Pryor didn't give a fuck either. <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, what was <laughs> what was your take on uh, 
Quincy J- Jones's take on uh, musicians these days? Um, Quincy's pretty old. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I guess the mind is the first thing to go. But basically the impression I got was if Quincy was involved, it was amazing because Quincy was involved. And if Quincy wasn't involved, then it was crap. Yeah, it's no good. Yeah. If it's not Quincy, it's crap. <laughs> yeah, that, both those things definitely came across. He does like uh, <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, though. So there's that. Well, I guess that's something you and Quincy got in common. <laughs> so, speaking of... So tell me about, tell me about you and Marlon Brando. <laughs> I know some things, man. We shouldn't talk about that publicly. We shouldn't. Well, yeah, we yeah. definitely shouldn't talk yeah. about it. Um, so, speaking of Kendrick Lamar... Uh, Edit that out! We uh, exchanged albums last week, and uh, I gave you yep. Gang of Four Entertainment! Exclamation point. And yep. what did you think of that one? Well, I, I was hoping I was going to enjoy it more. Because, you know, I remember, uh, I can't remember which song it was now, but I checked, like, one song out on YouTube, like, a couple weeks ago in advance, and I thought it was pretty good. But overall, the album, what song was it? I think Essence Rare has a really fast guitar part. Um, is that on Entertainment? Yeah. Essence Rare. Why don't I see it on there? Well, anyways, I uh, I mean I liked I liked the sound of the album. I liked that that raw late seventies early eighties production, mm-hmm. and um, I liked the sounds they got. But I didn't. Re- re- I only really liked a couple of songs: um, "Return the Gift" and "Glass" were the two songs that really stuck out to me. Most of it just felt very samey, and I got bored with it pretty quick. And it, it, it reminded me of how I feel about the Clash. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that they do have some I, similar. I, I'm not really huge into that um, that British ska sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they definitely had better guitar than the Clash did, but. Did you like uh, that part of the album anyway? The guitar sound. Yeah, I like the I like the guitar sound. It was mainly the the rhythms were just a bit too angular and ska for me in a lot of places, and I just couldn't like get into it. Like if if it's gonna be like that, like I'd rather listen to like Madness because they're just like like. Jumping around and having fun. One step beyond, you know. If you're gonna, and and this stuff felt more kind of like they were like uh, preaching to me a bit. Yeah, they were definitely preaching to you. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) Cool, cool. But I mean, you know, I don't have a a problem with that per se. But it just it uh, you know altogether, it just didn't add up to excite me. That's cool. Um, yeah, it, it later came out that uh, kind of like the Sex Pistols, uh, they didn't really believe in any of what they were saying. It was like a marketing right. angle. Um, <laughs> That's kind of shitty. 
well, I mean, it's still good music, I think. So, um, and then their second album, uh, Solid Gold. Maybe you should check that one out because that one they do go kind of full on dance a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I won't assign you that one. Um, no. Nah. And of course, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, no uh, consecutive weeks of the same. <laughs> no, 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 that would that would get boring. Um, so of course, uh, you gave me uh, the small faces. Uh, Autumn's nun, Nut Gun Flake. Ogden's um, Nut Gun Flake. Ogden's Nut Gun Flake? I wonder why I wrote Og- Autumn. Ogden. Ogden's Nut Gun Flake. Um, and the first thing I'll say about that album is that they paid a whole lot of attention to speaker stereos and stereo panning in particular. Um, yeah. Which speaks to them being pretty forward thinking. Because. Uh, listening to it on the flack uh, in this day and age with digital technology. It sounded uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. And one thing I thought was really cool uh, was on uh, Long Ago's and Worlds Apart where it fades out and then they fade it right back in immediately. The whole song. Yeah, um, I've stolen that trick a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... I didn't don't think that I've ever heard anybody do it uh, before this, but um, and just beyond that, uh, it's basically everything that I like about '60s pop music. Uh, they've got some good harmonies, uh, melodies, hooks, all that, and that's the first like 25 minutes or so, and then after that, it just gets really fucking weird. <laughs> Side two is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to think of just how to convey that experience to people um, who might be listening to this. And I couldn't come up with a one-to-one musical comparison. And that's, I think, kind of, I guess what I'll say is that it's not like anything you've ever heard before. And <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's good as hell. Uh, in fact, I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, you have never really heard anything quite exactly like this. So, yeah. Another yeah, def- thumbs definitely up. Definitely not. Well, I, I, you know, I, I mainly wanted you to hear that. I mean, I knew you were going to like that album. But I wanted you to, like, completely understand my definition of psychedelic. Gotcha. Yeah, and that that was definitely psychedelic, for sure. Most definitely. If there was any shit like that on the uh, Father John Misty album, I'd have been all over it. Yeah, he doesn't have anything like that. That's not psychedelic. No. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's a few things here and there. For but I, I for 2018, it's pretty psychedelic. Not for like. What, was, what year was it? 67 or 68? I think it was 67 or... Yeah, 68. Yeah. So, there was definitely a lot more psychedelic stuff around that time. Like True. Pink Floyd's first album and, you know, Beatles, yeah. of course, all that. Um, so, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me who you're assigning me this week? 
Well, I, I've been juggling like three, and uh, two are older, and one is not as older. But one of them, I don't know. You want something from 1970 or 1991? Let's give 1991 a shot. All right. So this is an album that I discovered almost as soon as it came out. And this like totally shifted my perception on what I wanted to do with music and what I was looking to hear in music and um, kind of set my course for a while. And that is Spine of God by Monster Magnet. Have you heard this album? I have not. Okay, good. I'll send it to you. All right. Sounds good. But it's basically it's basically cited as the first true stoner rock album. Okay. I can see it would. So it's uh it's kind of the other end of what I consider to be psychedelic. It's more like heavy psychedelic. And you know, not like not like that sleep, not like the sleep thing. It's not it's not doomy and that heavy. It's more uh, you'll you'll hear it. You make up your own mind what it what it's like. Right, cool. Basically, they advertise it as it's a satanic drug thing you wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I think you'll dig it. I'll definitely give that a shot. Um, and I've actually I've kind of been struggling to come up with recommendations for you because I think pretty much anything I'm, like I'm difficult. I know. Well, it's just that like. I think anything probably I've like 60s or 70s, like uh, kind of underground music, you've probably got all of that covered. Um, <laughs> and then the 90s, you know, we probably uh, were listening to a lot of the same things in the 90s. Um, so kind of what I've hit upon, I think, maybe is uh, kind of stuff from the 2000s in uh, quote-unquote indie music. Because there's a lot of variety of indie music. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you wouldn't, like, twee stuff like Bell and Sebastian or The Decemberists, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've heard a bit of both of them, and <clears throat> it didn't, it wasn't up my alley at all. No. Yeah. That didn't seem to fit your taste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when I, I. I'll give you a Barry Manilow album, damn it. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, so, one I think you might like. Uh, no guarantees, though. And that's uh, Titus Andronicus. Uh, and the title of the album is The Monitor. And it's basically kind of punky uh, garage rock. And it's pretty raw, uh, both emotionally and uh, production-wise. Um, cool. But at the same time, it's also like... A, a concept album sort of that uses the uh, American Civil War uh, as kind of a centerpiece to frame like a bunch of the singers like theories about life and thoughts on life and uh, various conflicts within himself and his environment and others etc and they also uh, have a penchant for the kind of epic song um, like a uh, they mention, uh, kind of allude to Born to Run in uh, the first song, and a lot of the songs are kind of in that vein to an extent, not musically, but right, just, just as kind uh, of an 
stylistically. Yeah, kind of as a, the, the epic rock song. So, right. So we'll see what you think anyway. I know I've heard the, I've heard their name before, but I do not recall ever hearing anything from them. So I will check it out. All right. Sounds good. All and, right. Uh, unless you have anything else you want to bring up, we might as well get right down to it. Pitchers and catchers report. <laughs> yeah, pitchers and catchers do report. <laughs> and uh, Cubs just signed you Darvish this yeah, week. Yeah. Um, to a six-year deal that definitely will look horrible in year six. But definitely. at the same time, um, it might get them to the World Series this year. So flags fly forever so and now i hear the uh finalists for arietta are milwaukee or minnesota how exciting for jake <laughs> that's not gonna be a big money deal that's for sure <laughs> i i i both those teams got a shot though i think but i think uh, milwaukee's a little better than minnesota yeah milwaukee looks uh pretty frisky um minnesota has some talent but i think they were a little fluky last year yeah, and they also, I think, um, didn't they just lose a pitcher for? Well, not. I think they heard he might miss a couple starts. So. Okay. Santana. So anyway, um, we've left. Oh, yeah, that's about it. Plenty of time this time around um, to talk about Nirvana and Pixies. Nirvana. So we'll go ahead and, uh, per usual, play into it with a clip.
I guess to begin with, I'll say that you misunderstood me last week, and that might have just uh, yeah, been I'm, completely I'm, my fault. I'm not sure what you said, but you said something to give me the idea that you were not a Nirvana fan. No, I, I remember what it was. Um, it was a kind of a stray comment about how I thought Nirvana kind of got a, a little bit overrated, um, and that was okay. just because like Kirk killed himself and. When a musician dies young, I think there's kind of a overcorrection about how good they actually were. Um, you can see that especially with like Jim Morrison or uh, Bradley Noel or uh, even you know John Lennon or Kurt Cobain. Um, well, they don't really get that chance to have that you know that shitty period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and what they did put out kind of like. Like, think about the doors, you know? Like, the the doors were decent enough, but, like, people today still, like, some people consider him, like, a poet genius, you know, when he was really just an alcoholic. Um, well, yeah. Good front and, man, though. And, yeah, good front man and, and entertaining. But just imagine, like, how many of those bands could have, like, eventually turned into, like, 80s Genesis in the 80s. That's... For damn sure. Like, <laughs> 80s doors doing bad 80s Oof. pop. Ooh, yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> I can actually kind of hear it, in fact. Um, <laughs> but no, Nir- Nirvana was actually, like, really important uh, band to me. Like, you know... Uh, oh, me too. That meme where it starts at, like, the dead brain and then goes all the way up to galaxy brain? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in that analogy, like Guns N' Roses and Metallica 
uh, for me as a teenager were like somewhere around the midpoint of that. And Nirvana was basically me achieving uh, Galaxy Brain. And uh, I re-listened to all their albums this week. And uh, I have a, a hot take for you. You ready for it? Right. Yeah. Nevermind is every bit as good as I thought it was when I was 14. Um, and so I, I really like the, the Pixies. Um, but I'm going to go with Nirvana at the outset, even though um, I don't think the margin is really all that great. Um, I was also listen, able to listen to all the Pixies album, and uh, I think they had a lot of similarities, and Pixies had a little bit of a cleaner, more produced, polished sound to them, and Nirvana's was more loud and raw, and that basically uh, in this case I like that more uh, than I like that clean sound so I'm going to go with Nirvana uh, what are your thoughts uh, for me it's it's Nirvana by a landslide because I have to say I don't know that there's a Nirvana song that I don't like there's some that I'm maybe slightly burnt out on over the years but I can't say that I don't like them and I think I I actually kind of skimmed through the Pixies catalog and refamiliar because I've heard all that stuff over and over and over back in the day. So just to kind of refresh myself, I you know there's I think four Pixie songs that I like, <laughs> and uh, and some of the ones that I thought I'd I'd liked I listened to again and I was like, no, I don't really like this at all <laughs> anymore. It just kind of got st- like like. Um, for an example, "Monkey Gone to Heaven," that song was, you know, remained stuck in my head over the years because it's kind of catchy. And I always thought, yeah, that's one I kind of like. And I listened back to it. And I'm like, no, I don't like the song at all. <laughs> so, Pixies have like maybe four, four or five songs, and I can name them, and I will. And when we go through their stuff, um, however, it 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 if I if I'm honest, it's a little bit closer than I would think it would be because. There is one Pixie song that I would pick over any Nirvana song. <laughs> so the Pixies Oh sorry, so you wanna know okay, my favorite Pixie song is a non album track and it is the UK surf version of Wave of Mutilation. I've heard that one. That's from the uh, Pump Up the Volume soundtrack. Soundtrack. Yep, 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 yep. I, I have that, that one. Man, <laughs> that song kills me. Yeah, that was really good. That's that was that was one the of my first favorite time I've songs heard. of all time period. Yeah, that's when it, that's the first uh, Pixies song I ever heard, and it was yeah because of that soundtrack because I loved that movie back in the day and I and bought that when I was a teenager. And you know they, they don't really have anything else like that in their catalog. Maybe the last song on um, Bossa Nova kind of a little bit catch, catches that vibe, but not really. Not not any, anywhere close to they do with, and you know it's not even a it's not even on any of their albums. <laughs> and the fast version I is all right because I like the melody, but uh, you know I the, I could yeah I don't really really like the fast version. Hmm. Well, uh, let's very quickly then um, go through Pixies first, and then we can just 
Here's the thing with the Pixies is I tried really hard to get into them back in the day because, like, I was in high school and I was starting to get some older, cool friends and, like, finally finding people that I fit in with after not through middle school, you know? And um, all the older, cool kids that I was starting to hang out with all loved the Pixies. <laughs> so I was like, I, I got to try and get into the Pixies and I just fucking never could. Yeah, it happens. Um uh... The reason I, w- I wanted to uh, match these two up uh, is because they were contemporaries. Um, Pixies were a little bit before them, uh, but they both basically did kind of the same uh, loud, quiet, loud. Um, oh, I know Kurt loves them, and he, he he does definitely count them as a huge influence and probably yeah, the loud, quiet, loud, for sure. And verse, chorus, verse. Um, but... But I really do like uh, Pixies. Um, and their first release was kind of a half LP, Come on Pilgrim. And basically, it's they were already doing everything that they did well, um, except I guess Kim wasn't all too involved on that one. Um, and, but like Vamos, I really like that song. Uh, and there's a very sincerely... Uh, anguish song about beating off on that one um <laughs> and uh their first uh full lp um was super rosa and i think that's really good um and i think more than, rosa yeah um i think more than any of their other albums um they basically let uh kim deal do a lot and the more that they let Kim Deal do, the better it was, because uh, she's really good. Um, like she's a really good singer. Um, she. I only see one Kim Deal co-write on this album, but it is like the one song that I would say is pretty decent, which is gigantic. Yeah, yeah, and they let her sing a lot um, on this okay, one. Gotcha. Um, although she definitely had a lot more to do uh, songwriting on the next one, um, but yeah, like you said. Um, Gigantic's a great song. Um, I like a lot of other ones on this, like uh, River Euphrates is on that. Um, and then, of course, the next one was Doolittle, and that Kim Deal did get to write more on that. And, like, Debaser, and that's mainly her. That I, I would say that's the best song on that album. Um, but it also has, like, uh, Wave of Mutilation and Here Comes Your Man. and The crappy fast version, though. Yeah, not the... Uh, not the pump up the volume version. Here comes your man is decent. That one, that one sticks in my head. That's a good song uh, for a while. Not, not annoyingly. So, you don't like the baser? And then they put out a uh, Bossa Nova, and I like that one. I think that's a solid like four star album. Um, unfortunately, uh, that's kind of when uh, Kim had the Breeders um, so she was writing songs for the Breeders not so much for Pixies um, so she yeah. in fact doesn't have a songwriting credit on any song on that album and Havalina that's the song I was talking about Havalina kind of has that UK surf wave of mutilation vibe gotcha Havalina Stormy Weather is uh I think my favorite song on that one. Yeah, that one's decent. Um, and then their last album was uh, 
Trompe Le Monde or however you pronounce it. Uh, it was okay. Uh, but that That's was... actually the one I like the most. Really? I love Planet of Sound and Alec. I- like that song, that album, like like starts off really strong. Like the first five songs, I all- enjoy all those. And it's pretty much most of what I enjoy from the Pixies. Maybe you should uh, check out Solo Frank Black instead of the Pixies because that was basically I did. His I, first solo we listened album. to so much Solo Frank Black back at the record store, and I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, yeah, that was basically his uh, his first solo album, and then after that they broke up. Um, I did uh, catch them on their first reunion tour. Uh, they played at this old opera house on the university of utah campus in salt lake and it has as you would expect um just fantastic acoustics it's like really small opera house and it was loud and it was great um but i haven't listened to either of the albums they've put out since they got back together and just if i'm honest with myself i don't think i probably ever will um (laughs) i think i I really like what the Pixies put out, um, but they don't seem terribly important to me now anymore, for whatever reason. Um, yeah. So that's that's probably it for Pixies. Um, this is more an excuse for us to just talk about Nirvana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, start with their first official LP uh, which was Bleach uh, what did you think about that one? Well you know I, I didn't hear Bleach until after Nevermind came out yeah same so you know I I heard Bleach through the filter of already being totally blown away by Nevermind and Bleach was just like a you know like a what I would expect from the earlier independent labels, you know, album, raw production, mm-hmm. same general thing. And, you know, I was like, hell yeah, it's more, <laughs> it's more of the good stuff. Yep. Um, the catchy tunes were there. Um, yeah. Kurt was writing really weird lyrics. Um, Dave Kroll could play cool drums already. Um, no, he went on, he went on bleach. Wasn't he? Who was no, on that was Chad Channing. Chad Channing. Why did I not know? Yeah. Um, but I'd say, like, About a Girl is a... That's a great song. Um, and yeah. it sounds just fine on that album. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. School, that song's fun as hell. <laughs> um, that's got some, like, really raw guitar. And that, uh, like, listening to it now that chorus of like uh you're in high school again you're in high school again not the chorus uh but that line repeated again and again that's like that's pretty terrifying um (laughs) plus it's uh it's got some really weird and heavier stuff like uh paper cuts or negative creep those are still pretty dope yeah that was always that was probably my first favorite song back off that album back then. Yeah, it, it still fucking jams. Uh, yeah, Blue yeah. was probably my favorite. Yeah, that's a good that one. Album. That's a really good song. 
I mean, they don't. They didn't like you said. They didn't really make any bad songs that I no. don't like to some degree. You know. Um, I remember my uh, my first band that played in my garage. We never made it out of my garage, but we played Love Buzz all the time. <laughs> that'd be a fun song to play, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a funky little groove. Um, and of course, then uh, Nevermind came out, and that blew my mind. Uh, I imagine it blew yours as well. Yeah, and actually... Uh, I got turned on to that about a week before it came out. Uh, it, this was right before I started working at the uh, record store. Um, but, you know, I hung out there all the time, pretty much in there every day. And um, they, you know, they got the promo in, uh, you know, ahead of the release. And as soon as those guys heard it, they were like, holy shit, <laughs> this is great. And we're playing it for everybody. And they, you know, they were like, Andy, you need to check this album out. I promise you, you're going to really like it. And um, I think they, they played me like one song in the store. And I and I was like, yep, and bought it and took it home. And yeah, that, that yeah, I wore that album out. And it was definitely, uh, they became my f- favorite band and my favorite album of the moment. Yeah. Um, I still remember it, it was like summer break I want to say and uh, I think between ninth grade and 10th grade uh, I could be wrong about that but I remember well, that's, was, that's when that album started getting big but I mean it came out fall of 91 well this is just when I saw it um, right so and it was on what was the precursor to uh, TRL called was it like oh shit some um, top dial MTV Dial MTV. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Um, so I, I remember it exactly like uh, the host saying, uh, and at number 10, it's a new band um, from Seattle, Nirvana. And Smells Like Teen Spirit came on, and nothing has ever been the same for me musically <laughs> <laughs> after that. What was great about getting into that right away was that i got to see them before they got huge at the masquerade which is like uh probably about six seven hundred people and it was you know it wasn't sold out it was probably about 75 percent packed so it was probably 500 people in the room and they were freaking amazing and that was like my first mosh pit and yeah that was good shit nice (laughs) Amazing memories. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, I mean, I guess I... Oh, yeah, no, wait. There's more to that story. I got to tell the rest of that story. So um, my my mom was out of town for the weekend, and my grandparents were staying at my house, which is odd. That rarely happened. Usually I'd go stay at my grandparents' house. So Nirvana was playing on a Sunday night, and on Saturday night I went out to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so then on Sunday, I I'd called my mom up and was like, you know, I want to go to this concert. Let let my, you know, grandma know that I'm going to be out late. And she's like, uh, you were out late last night. You probably shouldn't be out late tonight. <laughs> so I uh, went to the concert anyways and got home at like two in the morning. And my grandma was like standing up waiting inside the door. And like the only time I'd ever had that experience. <laughs> it was so weird. 
and everyone was so mad at me but it was like worth all that for sure i'm sure yeah i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) fucking grandma yeah um so uh what would you say uh are your favorite songs from that record never mind definitely would be uh drain you um on a plane yep um i still love in bloom even though that one got played a shit ton um territorial pissings is awesome shit man that whole album is great (laughs) something in the way yep i I, you know i'm i i was a little even when i first got the album i'd say my least favorite songs were come as you are and lithium and um wow see that didn't get help i wrote down six uh songs as my favorite and uh you ticked off five of them, and then the other one was lithium. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, of the, uh, you know, those Come As You Are and Lithium are the two that, that I was, you know, not super hot on to begin with. The one that I disliked them, I was just like, liked the, all the rest of the songs more. And then as those got played to death as the second and third singles, those, you know, those are the two songs that I just, you know, I, I can't really listen to much anymore. Yeah, uh... I'll still like listen through uh um oh shit. What was the name? Their second single. You just said it. Come as you are. Come um, as you are. I'll still listen through to that, but uh my brain kinda shuts off when that comes on. Um Right. Smells like Teen Spirit is still pretty fucking great though, I have to say. Oh yeah. Shit, that song's always gonna be great. Yep. And that one did not get played to death. For me anyway. Um, what did you think about? I mean, it uh, got played to death. I mean, it got, it got Weird Al did a parody of it. It definitely yeah. got played to death, but oh, it was yeah. just good enough to hold up. <laughs> yeah, it just it just didn't kill it for me. Like so many songs right. that get played to death. Yeah. Um, like Jeremy, for example. Um, yeah, yeah. Jeez. But uh, what did you think uh, of the production on that? You know, at the time it was awesome. Now it's a little bit slick. Um, Andy Wallace did the uh, mixing, um, and he was a metal guy. And I think he he slickened it up just a little bit too much for my taste, but it was exactly what they needed to do what the album did. So it's you know it. it I'm I'm fine with it. I, lo- I love that that uh, box set that came out with like all the all the demos and the and the rehearsal. You know, all the raw stuff. That's really really cool. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't mind the production. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, it was slicker and cleaner. Yeah, that Sound City. It's fucking great. Yeah, it it sounds really good. Um, but of course, the production on their next album. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I'd say was better, uh, and in yeah. fact, I would say in utero is most definitely. In fact, I would say a better album than Nevermind. That's that's their yep. real classic. Um, and on this one, I'm not even gonna bother with like a list of my favorite songs on it because <laughs> the whole album. Yeah, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really raw and unfiltered uh, now have you heard have you because you know andy wallace went back and remixed um a couple of songs, serve the servants heart-shaped box and all apologies and um the original steve albini mixes of those did come out 
initially on a European vinyl pressing and then later on that big in utero box set thing they did. Have you heard those? I haven't. Okay, I need to send you that stuff. That shit's fucking amazing. The original guitar solo on Heart Shaped Box is, is crazy. Huh. That sounds like something I want to hear. <laughs> but yeah, the label was like, okay, let, let's... Or no, I think it was Scott Litt. It was the REM guy. He, he might, uh, But I think Andy Wallace was involved there, too. There was a couple of songs. It was the singles they wanted to get cleaner uh, mixes of. Gotcha. And... But the Albini versions, blow God, all apologies, the Albini version it kills the album version of that. Yeah, definitely send them to me then, for sure. Yeah, you got to Because that, that, that is by far my favorite album. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because, uh, like, I don't know, on stuff like, just to name a first one that comes into my head, like, Francis Farmer will have his her revenge on Seattle, like, like just they just fucking shred like yeah they just go to it it's fucking great radio friendly unit shifter yep yep absolutely <laughs> <laughs> very misleading title <laughs> um and i mean rape me is great uh very ape serve the servant probably my favorite on that one. milk it <laughs> yeah yeah it's just fucking great um, and then, of course, Penny Royalty. I mean, Penny Royalty. Yeah, that's Penny Royalty. Yeah, absolutely. It's another brilliant one. Um, and of course, um, Kurt was always raw, um, pure, kind of uncorrupted musically, which I think was pretty much just because, both because of his uh, sensibility and his outlook on life, but also because. Yeah. He was a heroin junkie, and he would have rather died, as he did, um, than, quote-unquote, sell out or in any way compromise. Um, Maybe. He didn't while he was alive. Um, well, I'm not I'm saying, I'm not certain that he wanted to die. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So either yeah, either uh, Kurt killed himself. It was the Chicago Mafia. We shouldn't talk about this. We shouldn't talk about it publicly. Or uh, we shouldn't talk about this publicly. Or Courtney Love killed him for the money. Um, I don't know anything about anything. Yeah, I've kind of <laughs> halfway thought about watching uh, that documentary about a dozen times, but never gotten around to it. Watch them both. Watch, Watch them both. the one Courtney Love did too. Okay. All right. Because even though King Buzzo, who's probably as close to that situation as anyone was with the Melvin, he says it's absolute bullshit, but it's still interesting to watch. Hmm. All right, maybe I'll check so it out. It's like it's like Courtney Love's propaganda version. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did watch uh, Gus Van Zant's Last Days, or tried to watch, I should say. Um, I think I got about a half an hour into it, and I was like, "This is fucking pointless." I'm not gonna I don't watch think this. I even know what that is. It's kind of like a—I don't know. It's loosely based on Kurt Cobain, and most of it is him just like in his house, and then like going and walking in the woods, and nothing really happens. He doesn't really talk to anybody. It's weird. Um, All right. I didn't like it. Um, 
But anyway, where I was going with all that is that I kind of wish that he hadn't compromised a little bit and had stopped doing heroin um, and just stayed alive and maybe released some more stuff that was good and some more stuff that undoubtedly would have been shitty um, and that he'd be doing tours at age 72 instead of dying as young as he did. But I mean, he definitely had a lot of really good gems of ideas still unexplored based on all those cassette tape demos released over the past couple of years. Yeah, I would I would have found it extremely surprising if after In Utero, as good as it was, um, if they didn't have at least a couple of good albums in them, like really good albums in them even, um, they might have taken like a left turn and put something weird out at some point, which probably would have been fine, but... Um, I think they would have. I, I think they would have um, had a similar trajectory as Pearl Jam. They would have. The audience would have shrunk down to the people who were really into them, and they would have put out good albums and toured, and probably like stood up against Ticketmaster and done shit like that. And you know, or it could have been the Foo Fighters with Kurt Cobain on vocals. Oof! <laughs> that would have been a horrible fate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to respect uh, Dave Grohl to some degree because he was a really good I love drummer. Dave Grohl. I, I just wish I liked his music more. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. He's a great drummer. Um, yeah. And he's he's a talented musician for sure. I mean, he's written lots of poppy uh, songs that have been hits. He's very hardworking, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a few of Foo Fighters songs here and there, but I just, they, they've never put out a single album that I enjoyed overall although i did hear there was like some sort of uh documentary series i think on hbo i want to say that featured yeah the sonic highways did you watch that i watched uh some of the episodes and it was it was really good it was good stuff if you're a fan of the history of rock and roll which is interesting so yeah (laughs) i might have to check that out sometime and there are they they had a couple of uh of the better Foo Fighters songs on that album, so that's cool. Um, there are a couple other uh, Nirvana releases I wanted to talk about real quick. The first I didn't get to yeah. uh, Incesticide this week, um, as I remember it though. There was like some really cool stuff on it. Um, it had all that hormoning EP stuff, Molly's Lips and D7. Yeah, yeah that was a good song. <laughs> kiss, kiss, Molly's yeah. Lips. And um, yeah. up, up, up and down, turn, turn, turn around. That's a good one, yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember there was some stuff on it that I didn't like quite as much, but um, still had some really good stuff. Um, and then I would say, uh, like... If you didn't experience at the time and you want to know what like Nirvana was about, what they really meant, uh, I'd say that you should look up on YouTube um, and watch the video, not just listen to it. It's on, uh, it is available on uh, Spotify, but you should watch the video too, um, which was the Reading Festival. Um, after yeah, that's a good one. Nevermind had already broke. Um, I think In Utero was already about, was about to come out or had just come out. Um, I think it was about to come out. Uh, yeah. 
and so but they were already playing some of it so yeah and there was like rumors of course at the time that like Kurt was in like uh, such dire straits in his heroin addiction that like uh, they were never gonna release like a second album or whatever ever so uh, right got, and he rolled out on the wheelchair yeah on the wheelchair in <laughs> <laughs> a hospital gown yeah yeah and then collapse. yeah collapses and gets up and uh they just fucking shred just shred um and on that show they were like punk as ever everything was uh turned up to 11 and they had like the guy whose like job it was this is why i say you have to watch it because there was a guy whose whole job it was was to just dance on stage while they were playing that's that's the most entertaining part of it to me, besides the music. Um, and like, just thinking about it, like having like a hundred thousand people singing along to a song that's like as weird as lithium, like it's kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a thing I love about Nirvana is the rabbit hole goes very deep because even though they were only around for six or seven years, there's just like tons and tons of outtakes and unreleased songs and the, the box that they put out got a lot of that stuff but there's even more than that and there's like tons and tons of live shows and and the nirvana bootleg community is like really awesome about cataloging cataloging all that stuff and and directing you to like the essential ones the best sounding ones and the most interesting ones where the craziest shit happened and and uh it's it's a lot of fun to jump into the nirvana rabbit hole on occasion that's something i should probably look into like because i was into him as a teenager big time into him as a teenager and then uh i listened to like the like the box set you know um and i'll listen to him uh, every once in a while, like uh... I mean, my my first introduction to Nirvana actually before Nevermind, but I never put it together till after Nevermind was on this Australian Kiss tribute album that came out in 1990. They did a cover of a Kiss song, and that was actually the first time I'd heard them. So, and that that's actually that song is not well in the days of these days of YouTube, everything is easy to find, but that song for a long time was not easy to find from them because they, they buried it. They never released it on their own. So what song did they cover? Do you love me? I'd be interested. They do. They did. So great. Um, and, and a lot of kiss fans made it. I think it's like the most, the worst thing in the world. <laughs> what was the, the song that they had on, on uh, the Beavis and uh, Butthead album? Uh, I, uh, I hate myself and I want to die. Yeah, that's a good one too. Um, uh, but what were you going to say about the, the the Kiss song? I was going to say the other thing about uh, the other Nirvana Kiss connection is if you um, if you look with a magnifying glass on like a vinyl copy of Nevermind because you got to see the the picture pretty big. But in that that artwork on the back that Kurt made, there's a, a copy of Kiss Love Gun album in there. Very, very faint, very difficult to see, but it's definitely there. Well, I think uh, a lot of those bands um, came out in, like, the 90s were probably big-time Kiss fans when they were kids, you know? Oh, and yeah, definitely. That you got into Kiss when you were a kid. That's why you got into Kiss. I was Kiss. four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's pretty much when they have to They have to hook you young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never hooked me. Uh, we'll probably yeah. get into that at some point. 
I'll listen to yeah. some Kiss just so you can talk about Kiss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I probably won't hate it. Um, I don't think I'll especially like it, but I, I'm sure I won't hate it. Um, but <laughs> like Weezer has a, of course, as I'm sure you know, on oh, the Blue course, album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have a song very explicitly about uh, Kiss oh, and yeah. how much they love them. Um, I'm sure that was true of plenty of '90s bands. Um, definitely. And I guess the other one we should definitely talk about uh, is, of course, Unplugged live in New York, and obviously that's great. Um, and that's what turned me on to the Vaselines and also the Meat Puppets. And so it's very possible that without that, I never would have heard Meat Puppets too. That would have been a very sad fate if I had never heard Meat Puppets too. Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. I'd, I'd kind of checked out by Unplugged. I mean, I was aware of it, but, you know, I, he he killed himself and I was kind of like, all right. And I was moving on to like stoner and doom and heavy stuff. And by the time Unplugged came out, I was just, I, I didn't buy it back in the day. I was, I was over it for a while. Have you gone back and listened to it since? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It still holds up. It's still really oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Most of the Unplugged stuff does. Yeah. It usually does. Most of the band did it. I mean, even the Alice in Chains one is really good, even though like... Uh, Lane Staley like had one foot in the fucking grave at that point. Yeah. Um, of course, one thing I was gonna say is that you can definitely tell like um, Kurt was high um, and just in a very bad way on that. Um, all his banter, like even like when he makes a joke, it's like extremely flat. There's no joy to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't very long after they recorded that that uh, Courtney Love blew his head off. Maybe. <laughs> I, I think, I'm skeptical uh, of all stories I've heard. I think Occam's razor uh, would hold that Kurt Cobain was a full-blown heroin junkie who at the same time didn't like um, very much um didn't know how to reconcile to himself, I guess, being uh, a huge star like he was. Um, yeah. And did that mean he'd sold out in some way? Like, did he lack principles? Was he the same thing as, like, the Lemonheads or Candlebox or whoever? Um, right. So, and, yeah. So, he was just depressed. He definitely created a wake of really, really, really shitty, shitty 90s bands that were trying to, you know, the record companies trying to, you know, uh, take that Seattle thing and, and do the record company thing to it. And like you said, Candlebox. Yeah, Candlebox. Seven Mary Three. Candlebox was the worst offender. Uh, oh, gee. I mean, yeah, no, no. The worst, the worst came a little bit later. Is the uh, puddle of mud? Ooh, yeah, that was. Awful. They were the worst. <laughs> and one thing it did do, as we talked a little bit about last week, is it all that like Cinderella. But it, it, and, it got the Melvins. Uh, it got the Melvins a major label deal. That was that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, what was that other Seattle band that was like really heavy? They were like big stoners. Uh, uh, metal church. No, 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 no. no. Um, suck. 
You dry. Oh, butt honey. Yeah, yeah butt honey is awesome. Yeah, yeah they got, honey yeah, got they big, got a bunch of little deal bit big out of that. On, yeah. Yeah, they got some money. Um, if if you know, honestly, if we'd done Nirvana versus Mud Honey, this would have been a much tougher uh, uh, choice for me because I love Mud Honey. I've seen Mud Honey live several times. And yeah, Mud Honey is pretty cool, but uh, probably not as many people are uh, well versed in the Mud Honey catalog, unfortunately. Sure. Um, one thing it did definitely did is that like uh, late period Motley Crue or like Cinderella or uh, oh yeah Poison definitely. They, like they were done. Well, that stuff had gotten had gotten. I mean, you know, I I will admit to still enjoying some Cinderella and sure, yeah, Wasp and Twisted Sister and some of the earlier '80s stuff. But by the late '80s, that stuff had gotten really, really awful. Yeah, yeah, they were <laughs> and put. They were putting so lots of makeup on and, and so formulaic and yep. and just crap and like. Even like legends like Alice Cooper were putting out just yep. not as bad as albums as some other bands. I mean, nothing Alice Cooper did was as bad as some like Poison or something. But yeah, Poison um, was the worst one. But Alice Cooper did some pretty crappy. <laughs> air yeah, metal he did. Albums. He did. Yep, around that same time. Um, yeah. So so yeah, it was nice. Something needed to come along and just wipe the slate clean of that and. It did suck for those bands because they were like huge, and then they were like nothing, and they had to like reinvent themselves. And most of them reinvented themselves into like crappy grunge versions of themselves. And then eventually, it kind of came back Went around, back and they kind of go back to doing their thing for yep. nostalgia, you know. But yep. it, you know, definitely a, a double-edged sword. It, it, it sucks that you're like huge, and you don't get to have that steady decline. You just all of a sudden are fucking playing and yeah, in front of fifty done. people again, you know. Yeah, those uh, makes for some very entertaining uh, behind the music stuff. Like, yeah, like watch the watch that Quiet Riot documentary, you know, and and because yeah, those guys, yeah, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it it always ends up with them at the end. They're like just happy to be playing shows in like Jerome, just happy Idaho. To be playing shows. Yep. yep, in like Jerome, Idaho, where there's like twenty five people there. <laughs> like. Uh, Great White played here. Uh, Quiet Riot played here. A few other ones. Did the, did the building survive? Great White? <laughs> yeah, they did. Just barely. God, that was so tragic. That shit was uh, crazy. And that, uh, the other side of that coin, of course, is that uh, Nirvana, it opened the door for shit like Candlebox, of course. Um, and Right. I, then, I, I would... I would I would listen to the entire Poison discography over and over and over before I was listen to a single Candlebox album. Or uh, like shit like Spin Doctors or whatever. Oh, Jesus. That like horrible side of the 90s quote unquote alternative. But it also led the way to Pearl Jam, uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. That was just directly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot and of then, good bands at first, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and it's like a proximate cause, like even like the Flaming Lips kind of had that one hit with uh, She Don't Use Jelly, um, Nirvana. And in a way, it, or, uh, it led to like uh, people uh, opening their ears to something like Creep, you know? I mean, Nirvana yeah, yeah, was, was a huge shift and made a lot of things possible, you know? Yep. Yeah, I don't think Radiohead would have broke without that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... <clears throat> 
So that was great. Like the early '90s was kind of like a a fertile period. And I loved all those. I loved Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam for sure. But and, and at the time, I'd I'd probably would tell you I liked Alice in Chains and Soundgarden more than Nirvana. But at this point, Nirvana holds up the best for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with I that. I go back to aside from like Mud Honey and Melvins and things like that, I go back to Nirvana more than I would Soundgarden or Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam I've pretty much totally burnt down on. Yeah, I still like uh like uh Alice in Chains when they did quieter, more acoustic. More than oh, when they uh, were like the first metal. one, Sap. Yeah, Sap is great. Whoo. Jar of Flies is pretty good. Um their unplugged yeah. is good. And their unplugged um, is good. Yeah. I, I like their heavier, more metal kind of stuff too. Um, and I actually, um, I got into Bad Motorfinger um, first with Soundgarden, and then I listened to like their earlier stuff after that. And then was the album that had uh, Black Hole Sun on it, Alive in the Super Unknown. Um, Super Unknown. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like that one as much. Like. That was much cleaner. It was obvious they were trying to cash in on the uh, opportunity afforded to them. And I didn't like that as much. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it still had a lot of, of, of progressive ideas on that album. I yeah, it was it. still good. still good. Yeah. Um, although I didn't like, uh, what was the Chris Cornell with Rage Against the Machine band? Oh, no, 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 no. Audio no, Slave? No. Yeah. No, no, oh, no. Like that at all. <laughs> right. I was on our practice show that is locked. That's now, right. I was like, I know we've talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Rage Against the Machine and I like Soundgarden, but I did not like Audio Slave. But not Audio Slave. Nope, not at all. Uh, but yeah, that that opened the door for a lot of great '90s stuff, and I think that kind of also, uh, well, Smashing Pumpkins. That's another one we could throw in there. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what you think about Smashing Pumpkins, but. The guy who um, produced, uh, or helped produce, and engineered the new Telestrion album, and we've worked on him before, he was the uh, guitar engineer on Siamese Dream. That has a great guitar sound, so... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's helpful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and their, their first few albums were really good. Yeah, uh, yeah the first three... These days, dude is like actually literally appearing on Alex Jones' show. So. And you know, Billy's a little wacky, but you know, <laughs> he is. He's made some good music. So. He's made some great music. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would the also Pisces, say, Pisces, what do you want? Uh, I would also say that that well, kind of laid the groundwork for um, what happened when the internet started to like uh, once Napster came out and sharing music on the internet. Uh, that kind of opened the doors for like a, a, a thousand different flowers blooming, musically speaking. And I'd say that whole like Nirvana um, 90s quote unquote alternative thing kind of laid the groundwork for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you know, it was as time has progressed, it's been easier for bands to, you know, DIY, do it yourself. And, yep. and, and um, you know, def- definitely later on with the internet, that's created a huge thing. But it's allowed me to put out fifty albums. Sure. <laughs> so. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, that that all that that certainly uh, got started in the '90s when when tape trading became like a, a bigger thing, I think, and and then CDRs, CDRs. and then, yep. and then onto uh, Napster and files. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And now, any music that you want to hear from any artist, basically ever, it's right at your fingertips. It's like three seconds. I of think typing it's a good away. thing. That's absolutely a good thing. Um, I think you don't have, um, unless you're like, I don't know, Beyonce or whatever, um, there aren't as many, I'd say, artists who are getting rich as there used to be. Um, But mostly it's just eaten into uh, the record company profits. And there's probably more artists who can at least survive um, maybe working a part-time job and making music uh, than would have been available in, say, like the 1980s, you know? I'm hoping someday they'll just be like this gigantic pot of money and, like, when you upload music to Bandcamp, it will, like, you know, the computer will analyze it for, like, production value and <laughs> melodic value and then just, like, deposit a bunch of money in your PayPal account, you know? Because here you've provided the world with some music. That would be nice. That would be super cool. <laughs> or maybe we'll <laughs> get like out an a, album every week. <laughs> or maybe we'll get like a single payer healthcare and a, um, universal basic income. Yes. And then if you want to spend basic income, and everyone can do whatever they want all yeah. the time. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to like, you want to go work for Goldman Sachs and uh, have a big house or whatever, then okay, you do that. And, and there'll be less people in your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the people who and all the just fast food jobs will be whatever. automated. And robots will do all the shit that no one wants to do, and exactly. we'll be fucking great. Which is where we're headed anyway. So yep. uh, that's, I don't know. I think we'll get there at some point. It's going to be a while. Well, it's it's either it's you know uh, you're going to have to do something for the people that are living off those jobs that are going to be taken over by robots yep. or else those people are going to be starving in the streets and will basically be the same as zombies and they'll be climbing the walls of your mansion and eating you. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like we're kind of living through like a second gilded age at the moment. And of course the uh, powers that be, right now Donald Trump and the Republicans they're basically just giving the wealthy even more and you can push people for a while and they'll take it obviously uh, especially in the United States because we do have so many nice things but at some people people are going to get fucking fed up um, well what's going to happen is artificial intelligence is going to supersede human intelligence and then artificial intelligence is going to take over running the world and I believe that artificial intelligence will be more benevolent and fair than the small group of elite humans that are currently running the world. That's plausible. Let's hope that happens. That's um, my outcome. Or it can turn into Skynet and kill us all. Either way, we'll be. You know. Either way, something's going to happen. <laughs> so it won't be the status quo. Um, you know, I, do there's, think- uh, I know it go, go back to last week or whenever we did Radiohead, but there's that Radiohead song. Uh, and I. I can't even think of the name Fitter, of the song right now, but happier. he just sings nothing to fear, nothing to doubt over and over. And that's always oh, my yeah. mantra. Yeah. That's true. 
What's going to happen is going to happen. Nothing to fear and nothing to doubt. Um, I do think that uh, single payer healthcare is uh, not to turn this into a hardcore political podcast here at the end, but I do think single payer is going to happen sooner rather than later because uh, Obamacare was basically like a band aid and doesn't fix the underlying problem, which is for profit healthcare that the insurance companies have to make huge profits and the hospitals have to make huge profits and the pharmaceutical companies have to make huge profits and um, even like upper middle class people that's like a huge drain um, on their finances is paying like uh, insurance every month and co-pays and uh, um, all that kind of shit um, so I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think that's um, going to stay for I think all for much longer. medical stuff should be totally free, and if we need something, we go in and get it. Yeah, I mean, getting sick is not, like, a choice that you made. <laughs> right. So. I'm choosing to be sick. Yeah. I chose to get a uh, Because I want to pay you $1,000 for some antibiotics that will make me shit myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. That's, and that's only going to get worse. <laughs> it will not get... It will not get better, and as long as we stick with the for-profit model. So, um, yeah. anyways, we're far <laughs> off music at this point. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't right go to the doctor. It. I don't care. Yeah, I don't go to the doctor either. I don't have health insurance. If I so. if I sever something, okay. I'll go to the emergency room. And they'll sew it on me, and they'll send me a bill, and and I'll give them twenty dollars a month for the rest of my life. Yeah, basically. Yep. Um, I live in one of the states that did not expand Medicaid, and uh, I don't make enough money to qualify for the ACA insurance subsidies, so I don't have health insurance. Um, yeah, I don't have health insurance. Yeah. be nice to have it, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, if, you know, it's a helpful and a peace of mind type thing, but, you know, whatever. Nothing to fear, nothing to doubt. Yeah. Um, so if everything goes according to plan, um, next week we actually will talk about the Flaming Lips and uh, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. And we're hoping to have two guests. Um, we'll have Scott back on uh, for that one and also my friend Jesse. Um, so until then, right have on. a good one, everyone. Later.